I'd be scratching myself and sniffing myself and the scent would have gone by then. So I'd be back in the house every 10 minutes. Evening, Rob. Evening, Reese. How are you doing? Hi, John. Evening, Rob. Evening, John. You about okay, boys? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, so we're on to another episode this week. Um, and we've got Elliot with us from uh, Resource, uh, which are a print company up in, um, up in the north of England. Um, I'm sure you'll tell us all about that in a second. So last week we had a, a video producer on Rob. You learned quite a lot about uh, that industry. Um, unfortunately, she declined to give you a job. Um, maybe your luck will be will be in this week. Hopefully, yeah. Hope so. I'm, I'm sure this week, Bob, you will shine like the star you are and impress our, our guest on this week's podcast. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting on this week with um, obviously the print industry, magazines, books, all that kind of stuff. Will everything go digital these days? Um, you know, is there still a place for print? And if there is, is there a job that we can provide? Um, so should we get Elliot on? Go on, let's get into let's it. Let's get him on. Let's get him branded. Evening, guys. Hi, Elliot. You okay? Yeah, very good. Very good. How are you all? Very good, mate. Yeah, very good. Thank you for joining us. No, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's exciting stuff. Um, so, yeah, Elliot, you know, we want to try and find out about the print industry. Obviously, the aim of this is to try and get Rob into the industry um, to see if he fancies it or not. Um, so, let's fight away. Yeah, so I work for a, a company called Resource, who are a, a marketing services provider based up in, uh, in Yorkshire and Leeds. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there in terms of, you know, the core of the business is print. But, you know, there's so much more to resource than just print alone as we are a marketing provider. So we deliver everything from design, print, data management, mailings and events. So we provide a full service across the board. So we get to actually see the full marketing journey when creating these campaigns that we produce. Fantastic. When Rob, uh, sorry, when, John, when John said that there was someone from print coming on, I was expecting someone from from down the road, who was uh, doing a load of Chinese menus and stuff like that. Um, had a look at your website, and yeah, slightly different to what I imagined. Hey, if you want a Chinese menu, we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, with this, then, Elliot, so obviously, you, you, the line of work you're in, is this something that you developed a passion for really uh, in, in life, or is it something that maybe through work that you decided it would be a, a good career uh, and you decided to choose that? How, how did you get into the industry in that way? It's an interesting one, really, because the truth of it is I never thought I'll be a print in print. It was more marketing that I was I had a real interest and passion for, but that didn't really come till university. So just a bit of background about me. So I studied business and market management at, at university for three years. And, you know, from there, I was always really intrigued at how powerful a brand can be to dictate to someone whether they buy from it. So that can be anything from a, a shop item to something in your household. How we're so decisive on a certain brand because it's a name as opposed to the product itself a lot of the time. So I was really intrigued by like the the consumer decision and decision making when going through that purchasing process. So I was always keen on 
going into a marketing role of some sort. And obviously, when I was applying for jobs out the back of university, I was I was maybe too picky at the time, as I'd probably applied for God knows nearly a hundred jobs at a time. Typical uni student, um, <laughs> and resource was there. Obviously, a marketing provider, and it was more the fact that they have the whole journey that sold it to me. The fact that they produce every single element of of marketing, not just print alone, and that's probably something I'll touch a lot. It's it's all about the full journey of a marketing campaign that really gets me hooked and understanding that and understanding the end user's reasoning to why they buy from you. So for you, it's being involved in that start to finish process. You're not just part of it. You are the entire thing. Yeah. I mean, for, from resources perspective, we as a service, we produce different sort of levels. So in some circumstances, we will just produce the print of a project or equally, we will come up with the whole concepts, creatives and ideas as well as the print. But understanding the whole journey and being a part of it is what I really enjoy as part of the job and seeing the different seeing the different industries. I mean, it's great to see how the different sectors interact through marketing itself. Would you say that you're the kind of beginning part of that, Elliot? Because I know you're like business to business. You come and speak to individuals. Obviously, you've spoken to myself um, and you make them connections. So would you be the beginning of that journey? Yeah, 100%. So... I, I function within the sales team at Resource, but I think what's really unique about us as a as a sales function is that we've got that knowledge in marketing and that understanding of projects. So it's not it's not a hard sell, so to speak, in that sense. It's it's actually working with the customers, such as yourself or any other comms marketing functions, and actually going through the process with them to sell them the journey that Resource will give them. So we've got a full in-house creative team that are the guys that come up with the ideas, but we're the front end that have the conversations that generate the understanding to then brief that in with the team. Do you still get a nervous excitement when you're you're looking at launching or you're passing over a product that's finished to to someone who's engaged with you? Is there sort of a nervous nervous excitement about that? Oh, all the time. I think there's there's nervousness on both sides of it because obviously you've you've contributed to sort of selling that idea or the campaign in, so to speak, to an extent, because obviously our creative team does the rest, um, and I'd hope they would. <laughs> but it's it's then seeing that end product and seeing the launch, because I think with marketing, it's very results-driven. And I think it gets sort of tarnished with the fact that it's fluffy. When, when you're in marketing and comms, you understand that it's not. There are ROIs that you're looking at and tangible outcomes that come from the output so when something does launch it's always exciting to actually see the outcome but equally nerve-wracking to hope that there is an outcome (laughs) something um so i know elliot and resource from a business point of view and i've done some work with them or they've done some work for me should i say um but one thing that i really like about resource and and elliot and, and the team there um is how although they're salespeople uh, and and they they come and say they don't naturally sell to you they they, they build that connection um, and before you know it you've been on three dates and they take you out for lunch and you're buying a product from them um, which to me it shows how good they are at that marketing um, that's very good John because you're cheap you're a two date guy oh I didn't have to take him out on the third date <laughs> no, not at all oh what a waste them Krispy Kremes are wasted on you John. <laughs> 
But um, you know, it, it's a true story. I think he put something once on, um, I think it was LinkedIn or Twitter or something around being a, a salesperson. And I remember commenting on it, and it was something like, "What do you mean? We're not friends?" Because <laughs> they, they build a relationship with their clients, and I think that's really important when it comes to business, marketing, and branding in particular. Because you, yeah, as a business in resource, they they get people to to like you, enjoy you, want to work with you, before even mentioning kind of let me come and do this print job for you. Um, mm. And I think that's really important when it comes to brands and. Um, and kind of making them connections, really. Um, but Elliot, I'd like you to share with the boys, which you, you mentioned to me earlier in the week, um, a tactic that you used with uh, somebody that we know. Yeah, so obviously I, I just want to add on to that that you mentioned there, John, in terms of, you know, building relationships. And it's 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 a tricky one, obviously, being in sales because obviously it's the core function to sell to people. But it it's not sort of that, you know, false promises, false relationships that we build upon it. It's genuine relationships. And I think it's a bit higher level than that in the sense that businesses and, and brands now need to understand organisations that are right fits for them and equally relationships. It's not just about, you know, can I sell, you know, this to this person? It's actually, can I build a relationship with them? And do our, our objectives align as businesses and as people? And that helps us build a better relationship because the the circumstances where I've, I've probably tried this approach with loads of other people and obviously John being, being the easy date he is, you know, he's, he's bought into it. <laughs> Whilst others, you know, I might not even get a response out of and I've probably annoyed the hell out of them. But, you know, it's just the way it goes. But, it, you know, it is really interesting. So one person that, that we had in mind, I'm not sure whether I'll mention names, but in terms of um, social strategies. So it's just understanding people as individuals and actually getting to know them. And there was a certain individual who who had been targeting or the organisation I'd been targeting or or was aware of on my my hit list, so to speak. And um, I noticed on social media, it was around Christmas time. They'd posted around, you know, it's always the topic of conversation. What's your favourite Christmas advert? And and this particular person who just started a role had um, had commented around the the marmalade advert and it involved Paddington Bear, I think it was. And I thought, okay, right, this person I've not been able to get in touch with them. They've just started the new role, so I sent them some uh, marmalade in the post <laughs> <laughs> with a little note because he or they knew that I'd actually tried to make con- make contacts previously. And I thought this is going to be the difference that sort of cuts me above the rest of other sort of sales guys or whatever in in the industry and you know it was only a matter of a a few months later I was having a physical meeting with them uh, at their offices after sending them the marmalade so it just goes to show the power of like understanding your audience and actually making an effort with something that cuts through slightly different I suppose it's it's finding that way and isn't it yeah I love that (laughs) yeah that's that's very it's very good So you've, you've, you've likened, likened it to dating, and that you've likened it to dating, and that almost sounds rather stalkerish. Um, I'm impressed. <laughs> I, scarily, it does feel slightly stalkerish at times, but, you know, <laughs> if it works, it works. <laughs> if they'd have said that their, their favourite place to shop was Shitterfield's Fish Market, I dread to think what you'd have shoved in the jiffy bag. 
<laughs> it's when I rock up outside the house at, late at night. That's when they need to worry. <laughs> <laughs> you said about um, three years in university. Um, was it something that you looked at sort of when you were leaving school or was it just in university that you you went for that sort of line of career? It's funny because I always try and pinpoint the, the point where I went, okay, it's marketing that I'm interested in. Yeah. And at college, I studied business, ICT, and I can't remember the last one now. Marmalade. It clearly can't have been that important or helpful. <laughs> it was maths. The, the absolute irony, it was maths. <laughs> um, and <laughs> my logic behind it was, maths is too difficult <laughs> after doing <laughs> college. ICT was a bit too like mundane for me because I, I found myself being really creative at school. So I thought, right, I'll study business. And then I think it was at uni when I did a business and marketing degree when they branched us out into all the courses because what was really good about the first year was you obviously looked at accountancy in one course and then marketing another and all the other sort of methods to business that you can can talk about. And it was just marketing that hooked me because it was that understanding of why someone purchases something and differentiating marketing from sales and actually marketing from branding which is quite an interesting one. And Jonathan will, will know quite a bit about this in, in that sense because marketing, in my head, is outbound and branding is inbound. So from that perspective, marketing is what you want people to think of you or your organisation, whilst branding is what people do think of you when they see your brand as opposed yeah. to... So it, it marketing works in the function of you trying to influence people and be where your audience is, whilst branding is are you naturally where your audience are? So it works two ways and it just always intrigued me how that works. And I think resource does that really well because we are everywhere we need to be. Yeah. yeah. When you joined resource, <laughs> am I right in thinking it was at the kind of a junior level? Um, yeah. And, okay. So could you tell us a little bit about that and how important you believe it is to join an organisation who can kind of bring you up through the ranks, so to speak? And and with that, sorry, with that as well then. So when you joined Resource, because you say you, you're out of university, you're quite ambitious, was was when you took the Resource job, was that something you considered perhaps lower than you, your skills that you were applying for or for the jobs you were no, applying for? No, I think it, it was interesting because it – so just to revert back again, I um, I applied for a graduate business development manager role. So – I was applying at the level that I wanted to because I always wanted to go into an organisation at a graduate level. And obviously the key for me was obviously marketing focused in some sense where I could gain experience and learn about the industry and the skill set needed to develop in marketing and the industry itself. So it, it was a perfect fit for me really and it was a bit of a no-brainer when when I actually got the opportunity to say yes or no to, to the chance really, to the job. Um, but... In terms of what I did, so it was a year-long graduate training scheme, so to speak, which built me up to be able to do the role full-time. And it was really important, really, because when I think about it, I didn't have a clue about print. And I never... This is what's interesting. I never wanted to naturally go into print. It was all about marketing. And obviously, I was quite probably naive to the fact that, you know, fresh out of uni just turned 20, 21 or whatever. And I was all about digital as everyone is now. And 
you, I, I look through them sort of rose tinted glasses where the fact that it's all about the digital world, it's all about social media, X, Y, Z, all this sort of stuff. And I had all these ideas bouncing around. And it was really good because it honed me in to understand the core fundamentals of, of marketing. And I think what's really interesting about university versus starting a new role is the fact that university is fully theory-based <laughs> and the fact that applying it in the real world is very difficult. It's very easy to teach something that's not as practical, whilst when you go into the real world, you sort of realise some of it's not so relevant anymore because you've actually got to put it into practice. Um, but the, the graduate scheme was brilliant for me um, because I learned a lot about print from a starting point and I learned a lot about businesses, how they work, especially going into an SME, you know, understanding the way we work business to business with other organisations and understanding the different organisations. I think that was really important because you could actually see working with the different marketing functions and even like um, like Jonathan mentioned there, shadowing my manager, Joel, and shadowing Asif, going on client meetings was really interesting just to see the different approaches people would take to actually talk about marketing because obviously everyone's got different backgrounds, which again is quite a unique thing because we're not the stereotypical sales guys that sell one product or one service. It's it's very much a, a broad understanding of the products and services, but more to fit the client as opposed to it being, right, we're desperate to sell this. Let's force this on them. It was it was all about actually listening to a brief, taking an understanding. So I, I learned absolutely tons and it feels weird to say I've been there just over four years now, so one year in training, but it, it constantly feels like I'm still in training because I'm learning so much along the way. And marketing, as we all know, is just ever-changing, so you're never really fixed or you're never really at the end of your journey in terms of what you're learning because there's always something new. I mean, I can't wait to see Jonathan on TikTok soon because that's that's the next thing for him, surely. I'm on it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, brilliant. I can't wait to see the dance after then. Do you think marketing's a young man's game or young woman's game? Do you do you ever look back at the, the graduates coming through now or people starting from perhaps school coming in as juniors and looking at their ideas and feeling a bit left behind? I hope not because I'm probably not far off them. But on the flip side as well, I just think it's it's so balanced across the board because you've got people with absolutely tons of experience and Jonathan mentioned early on in the podcast, just saying about the the topic of is print dead? That's the sort of term we hear quite a lot. Is print dead now? And it's not, but we we hear it every year regardless. And it's the same for all the social media channels. Like when TikTok first came out, it was like, oh, it's just it's just the next MySpace or whatever was going to flop. And it it doesn't. It's it's all about adapting and bringing in new ideas. And I think that's what, what's made marketing really unique, the fact that different organisations and different brands more specifically become knowledgeable about certain channels and how they approach it. So obviously you've got all the different brands that do certain things well, like Innocent are really good at Twitter. Greg's are really good at Twitter and social media channels. Whilst you might have other organisations that are really good at internal stakeholder comms and marketing that isn't seen from an external perspective, but builds their brand internally. So it's all about understanding what works well for you as a brand and what sits well for you as a brand as well. It's not just about, you know, the external audience. It, it sometimes matches both up. 
Um, that leads on quite well, actually, though you mentioned, you know, is print dead? And it's certainly not. Because this past year has been obviously challenging for everybody. Um, how, how has COVID affected um, the print industry? Um, how have you adapted to it and, and what changes have been made? Well, I, th- I think it's interesting, obviously, with the, the impact of COVID, because I think, well, I know for a fact, working in print, there was, there was a lot of doubt at first in terms of what's going to happen, you know, what what is the reaction going to be from COVID? And from a lot of marketing and comms functions, we saw that, you know, there is that sense of panic and urgency and not the unknown, really, because I think a lot of people worried about jobs. We know of a lot of providers that have gone down. We know a lot of providers that have done well equally. And it's about understanding how you can adapt to the scenarios. But in the current situation that we're in, I think Prince had a massive revive in terms of the importance of it. So obviously, now that we're in a world where people are working from home and sort of trapped within their own bubbles and have that limited contact with people day to day, it's cut through more than ever. Things like Prince, obviously, like we've worked with yourself, John, you know, personalised print has such an impact when going through the doorstep. And I think now we're bombarded by digital so badly. In the morning, I must have about 30, 40 emails, probably all spam, but I don't read them because why do I want to go through 30, 40 emails in the morning? I then go to work on a laptop, have to deal with all my emails constantly. And then after that, it's then going on my phone on a night and then getting bombarded by adverts. And I think something like print works really well because when that lands through your doorstep, it has such a cut through and people are more intrigued to read things now. I think the the power of a physical book still remains strong. And I think it's a really good example is the fact that when a Kindle came out, I think everyone thought books were going to be redundant. And then people actually appreciate and Jonathan, I'm looking at you with the big bookshelf behind you and is that bookshelf wallpaper behind you, Bob? Just wallpaper, yeah. <laughs> right. We'll pretend they're real. So you guys are <laughs> showered in books. And I think I think it, it goes to appreciation the fact that something tangible is always nice to have, especially in the world we're in now, because it, for me, digital plays a part. And this is the thing. It's not one or the other for us. It's a mixture. That's what that's what cuts through having that mixed mixed approach. That's quite fascinating, actually, because and it kind of ties into to, to the exact answer you gave. There, I was listening to a, an interview earlier today on the radio, and it was talking about COVID unemployment and how the older generation may be struggling because a lot of jobs now are on uh, recruitment mm-hmm. websites um, and just generally online. And, and the advice actually was, do you know what? the power of a written letter these days or a, a written or well-written CD, CV posted to someone that's tangible in their hands is more so than ever because it's not done anymore. Everything is done digitally. So the advice was for job seekers, well, write that handwritten mm-hmm. letter, send it to the company because 20 years ago, it would have been the mailbags would have been bulging, but that's not the case anymore. It's almost reverted back that that's a unique, unique way to do it now. Um, as opposed to the the masses of applications you get online, it's it's funny actually that you mentioned about handwritten note because we preach about this using using our Comms Hero brand because we put on event well we used to put on an event every year in person and we now go digital with it monthly, but 
traditionally when you go to an event, you get an automated email that comes through into your inbox saying, thanks, generic name, generic message here. <laughs> Here's your ticket to attend our event. Whilst we, you know, this was a conscious decision by the organisation, we handwrite all our um, invites to say, thanks for joining the event and thanks for attending. And we send it to everyone that's attending with a nice personalised ticket. And before all of this, before COVID, just seeing the impact that had. And again, your best advocates from a marketing perspective are your audience. If you can get your audience to shout about your work, then it's going to spread even better than you'd imagine. So being able to send a handwritten note out with all our invites, people were posting them on social media. And our prime audience is comms and marketing people. They love social media, as we know. So they were posting it on social media. And who are they connected with? Other comms and marketing people who would see that. And it sort of had that chain effect where we've been able to build that brand and sort of build up a build up an audience. In fact, not even an audience, a community, I'd say. I think it's more of a community than an audience in that respect. I, th- I think it's organic as well. Like you said, you, you might make it personal for that one individual and they then decide to share or do something with that instead of paying for an advert maybe that goes and targets a group of people. Um, yeah. And it, it's funny you should say that because the book I'm using at the moment um, has got a, a nice little handwritten letter uh, you know, message in there from Elliot. I'll just read where it says. <laughs> hey, John. You're going to make us jealous, and we're all going to want one, John. Hey, Jonathan. Is that what I've signed up for? It was, it, you're not even recording, are you? You all just want a free notepad. You just said, make, make Yeah, basically. Free note, uh, give you a free notepad. We're starting with you, Elliot, and working our way up to the Ferrari <laughs> garage. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Print is less less premium than the Ferraris these days. We just need you to get our message out there. <laughs> But um, yeah, so the message essentially says, you know, like what you're saying there, you know, but you put can't have you missing out on the comms hero swag. Um, hope you're settling in now. Need to catch up soon. And that was when I first started in my current role. Um, so it's just that touching. And Elliot has obviously signed it, Elliot. But at the end, he's put PS. What's happening? What's happened on FPL? And then, I was going to say, I'm surprised <laughs> I didn't mention FPL in that one. So that's for any of the listeners, it's Fantasy Premier League. And I, I just want you to kind of talk about that a little bit because for me, that's that's another way into that community that you talked about. Um, so tell, tell the boys and the listeners kind of what you do in resource and, and how that works. Yeah, I think there's, there's, I could probably talk for days and you, you guys probably want to go to sleep at some point, but there's so many campaigns that Resource have done way before I started. This was all sort of pre-me, pre um, involving things like FPL. So obviously we know there's, a, there's an audience every year that gets involved in, in some sort of fantasy football league. And, and what Asif and the team did, um, Asif's our sales and marketing director, just so, so you're aware, but... Um, they created a, a resource FPL, and with that, they created a hashtag. We created digital assets, you know, just social media posts. And we got people, our customers, people that we wanted to speak to, and just generally our audience to join the league. And what that allowed us to do is a really smart way of tying in people in a really fun and engaging way to having a conversation for the full year. And who's at the middle of that conversation? Resource. Because what do they have to hashtag to get in that conversation? Hashtag resource FPL. And that 
That's and that, that sort of messaging is driven across all of our campaigns. So every year, it, printers tradition to send out a calendar to your customers, people you know. We come up with something creative each year, something fresh, something that's going to stand out. But we include a hashtag, we include our apps, we include all our social handles, but we include something engaging that people want to or hopefully will engage with every month. Because again, it's another reason to talk about resource. But it, it, it's funny because there, there is a core sales message in there, but we genuinely have built a really good community of people that respect us and we respect them. And it's really nice to have that sort of, I mean, you know, if it wasn't for resource, I, I'd never have spoken to Jonathan in terms of like on a, on a more friendship basis as opposed to a work basis. There you go, John, you're my friend now. <laughs> <laughs> it's genuine relationships that we're building but we also offer a service which which becomes an even easier sell in that in that respect because it's really easy when you know the product and service behind what you're trying to sell is of such value to people and that's what's really good about resource and the community people actually see the value we share a lot of our products and projects on social media and again it's creating them them inbound interactions where we don't have to proactively go out calling people who may want may ignore us for example um but we can we can have that audience come into us <laughs> i wondered what that was on screen there. <laughs> uh, yeah that's the girlfriend <laughs> yeah sorry about that <laughs> all right i was caught off guard i just saw something jump up yeah, I don't think John's going to be able to edit this out of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, my, my cat just winked from behind to Elliot uh, into the <laughs> webcam. But, yeah, so... Um, that's 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 really interesting what you're saying there, Elliot, as in, and a brilliant way to actually engage. And as you say, keep the conversation going in a fun, lighthearted way. You're not actually selling anything at that point. You just keep keeping your customers engaged. Um, and certainly when you do something around the mass Singer, I'm up for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big fan. No, but I, it's lockdown. I've had to watch it, and I've got into it. And, and again, the genius of that is, I'm just there. I think I don't care, but I want them to take their mask take off. Take it off. Take it off. Yeah, we love it in our, our house. It's a family. Uh, it's a family watch. That is so. Um, it's weird because you're right. It's awful. As in, you think, what the hell is this? But also, it's addictive. <laughs> and you really want to know who it is, and you're trying to figure out who's behind the mask. I don't know what it is about lockdown, but you binge-watch the most terrible shows known to one. I've been binge-watching Married at First Sight, Australia, <laughs> and I am hooked. <laughs> I, I, I'm fully, honestly, I'm fully invested. 40 hours in, once you go that far, it's too late, isn't it? You can't say that. <laughs> He's showing his age now. See, fortunately, the girlfriend and I have got separate rooms. So, married at first sight, or Masfer, I think she calls it. Another Masfer tonight. That goes on in that room. In this room, it's, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, stuff like quality television. <laughs> From a print point of view, Elliot, how powerful is print? And, and what's, have you got a favorite type of print, if that makes sense, or a, or a particular product? Um, Ooh, you're going to go make me go technically, right, you, John? <laughs> yeah, uh, just to answer the first question. So the power of print, you know, I think any good channel works well within the right campaign and it's got to be the right campaign. 
and you've got to use it in the right way. So it all boils down to understanding what you're trying to achieve. And that goes for anything, any campaign. But when print is done well, it can be done really well. And I think that's something that should be considered massively, especially when looking at projects, because you see some really creative examples of print. So there's one that goes around on social media all the time, and it's it's an envelope. And on the outer page, they've printed a, a window cleaner, and he's got his long window cleaning uh, tool on the window of the envelope. And I just think it, it's so clever the way people... So when print with creative is combined really well, you get a really good product on the back of it. And I think that's key to it. It's actually understanding print more so than it is the the physical, tangible print itself. It's actually understanding how it's going to work and, and how your campaign is going to work and how the creative can work within it. So you'll have seen, I'm hoping you've seen, otherwise I'm in trouble here, but our new calendar that's gone out. <laughs> with a booklet, yeah. With a, with a yeah. Did you get the little booklet with it? Yeah, I've got the booklet with it, and I actually did tweet about it. I think I'll put on LinkedIn because I really enjoyed this. Yes. And typical kind of my addiction to branding and, and everything at the moment. Um, it's John you know, Freebie yeah. Petty all over again. <laughs> Any kind of freebie stuff, but this booklet is fantastic because it, it literally talks about the product, the print, and every every yeah. page is different. So. One will be embossed, for example, so it shows you how that can work. The next page will be bright and colourful or reflective, so then you can see all the different ones. And, it, and it, the, the best one, I suppose, is where we sort of go, um, place your nose here and you can smell the factory floor type of thing <laughs> of, of, the print, of the print factory. I think it is, anyway. Maybe that's that fish smell I was on earlier, Rob. <laughs> 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 that looks like what my cat was just doing. Uh, but um, but no, no that, 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 that's a really, really good example of it. I was going to say it's just a really good example of, of how you can use print to to achieve a really good reaction, and I think that's how print works in terms of because it's that tangible product. There's so much you can do with it, and there's so many different finishes you can add to print, and using it in the right way, like for Valentine's Day, for example. We, you know, we brought out a, a calendar last year or the year before that was based around dunking biscuits. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it works, trust me. And throughout the year, we created these micro campaigns. And at Valentine's Day, we sent out a love heart um, pack, but in the shape of a jammy dodger. And we actually created the ink so it was scented. So it sent, smelled like raspberry jam. So that when people open this Jammy Dodger printed card with the love heart, they could scratch it and then smell the raspberry. And the impact that has, I mean, I'll tell you one thing, the factory stunk for two weeks of raspberry <laughs> jam, but it smelled so nice. <laughs> and I think it's, under again, it, it all ties in really well with the message. And that's the key, understanding what the message is and what is the channel you're going to use. If it's print, how can we be that? one bit more creative. It's interesting the way Elliot talks about the scratch and the sniff thing um, very excitedly and also as if it's a new thing. 
the recent Rob will probably remember back in the day where um, they used to visit Saturday night where you'd scratch and sniff this booklet or whatever while watching, was it to do with Red Nose Day or something? So you'd watch Doctor I Who. I think it was, yeah. It was, it was something and, to do with that. And Doctor Who would trigger yeah. a time or something where you'd scratch it and it smells so as if you'd know what was happening on the screen and yeah. who was there and stuff. And So it's yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I remember... Well, before that, when, when um, Scratch and Sniff TV, because I'm a, a little bit older than both, um, and you'd get your car. I think it was a panorama. It would have been one of these documentaries. This is the future of television. <laughs> and you, you pull this card off the front of your Radio Times or your TV Times. So if you think how many hands had handled that card before you even got onto a shelf <laughs> as a shot. So generally, all you got was sweaty working man's hand for every smell. Uh, it was abandoned quite quickly afterwards. <laughs> it's nice to see it coming back around now. <laughs> But that, that's it, and I think that's one really big focus at the minute in marketing. It, it's it's all about experiential marketing, isn't it? Everyone wants an experience now, and, and that's the sort of generation that's up and coming. They're, they're not about you know saving money or anything like that. It's all about spending and getting experiences, and people will pay to have an experience and remember you for having that experience because at the end of the day, if you, let's take... I don't know, let's take Innocent, for example. Fundamentally, what do they do as an organisation? They sell fruit smoothies. You know, it's nothing exciting. When you actually think about the detail, it's nothing exciting. But because they create an experience for people on social media, they become recognised and they become the go-to just because of an experience. And it's the same with print. It's the same with uh, social media. It's the same with, you know, internal communications as well. Creating an experience for your audiences they're going to remember you in some way. And it's about how you make people feel. Do you think it's a lot harder for, um, say, the larger industries that have been going for 30, 40, 50 years to rebrand themselves? As someone like Innocent, who's come along, a new player, they've got their ethos, they've got their ideas, and this is how they're going to sell it. When you've got a big monolith, someone like Coca-Cola, someone like Pepsi, how difficult is it for them to actually change that direction of what people think of them when they've got years of history yeah i think i think because it's so embedded within the culture it does become really difficult because you've got them the preconceptions don't you of, of a brand and what you know them as but you've got to remember that obviously as the audience changes so obviously as as people younger than us start to come up the ranks they will not have a preconception of them brands so it's how they start to target them and build that up because that will start to push us out of the way because there's a new era coming through. And I think it is possible. It's just a case of building that up. And am I right in saying, I don't even say this because this might hinder my whole business degree, but am I right in saying Coca-Cola now own Innocent? Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. And I think it was after their failed water experience that they actually went out and bought Innocent. <laughs> so there's your answer. Yeah, there. that's that's how they keep going. They just they they, they buy the other ones. They buy the innovation. <laughs> but what if you look? What they've done quite crucially is actually they've bought it. But you would know it if you looked into it. But as a consumer buying it on the shelf, there's no sort of recognition. No. This is actually part of brand Coca-Cola. They've almost tried to to keep that deliberately divorced yeah. from from what Innocent do and Innocent sort of um, mission statements and things like that. Yeah, it's a good point, though, because if, if you take it from that perspective, you've got Coca-Cola as a brand. How difficult would it be for them to change their perception or their brand 
perception on, on the audience they've got. And it would probably be really difficult for them because they've got that history there and they've got that they've got that audience already and it's so big, it becomes probably an impossible boat to turn around and that's why they do bring in people like Innocent, I imagine. I was just thinking about um, some advice because I know you mentioned the, the graduate scheme. Um, is that when you, when you started there, was that based sort of in, in one department or did you get a tour of the the whole company, sort of sales and marketing or sort of like, you know, looking at ideas? Yeah, so the graduate scheme was actually the first graduate scheme resource had ever done. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting because it was very new to them in terms of how they brought me into the business. Um, but then it was new to me. And given the fact that I'd had no prior experience, what they did for the first, I'm pretty sure it was the first three months, if I remember rightly, they, I'd spend a week in the different departments. So like you said there, I'd spend a week yeah. in creative, but I'd do it in the way in which a customer would go through the journey. So I spent my first week in the sales department. So obviously understanding where the customer starts from, not being a customer. Yeah. And then when that customer journey is customers brought on I then sat with the account management team who take the customer on board through an onboarding process and then obviously understanding what they dealt with throughout the business and then I sat within the creative team the production teams the data management teams and then the fulfillment and the mailing teams to get a true understanding of how the business works Um, and to be honest it was really helpful because what it does do and I'm sure all businesses do this in some respect is probably underappreciate other roles because it's very easy to think, oh, it'd be easy at that job. And what it did do was give me a real appreciation for everyone's role and just see everyone as a cog in the unit and understand that without that function, it's going to fall down somewhere. Um, Yeah. So it was really valuable. So that was the first three months. So for the remaining nine months, were you a scratch and sniff tester? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, protege. I, in fact, I was desk buddy for for a lot of the first nine months. Who's who's another mini campaign they ran uh, within my first year? Who's a crocheted cactus? But I won't go into any more details than that. You'll have to. Yeah. Um, oh, here I'm we go. Three bit. <laughs> of course, he's got one. one. <laughs> there you go. You can check Nick him out at desk buddy Basically, UK. His whole house is kitted out. From freebies, that that's it. That's the only reason he's doing this podcast. He, yeah. We're doing this, but he, this is never going to hit the air. <laughs> You'll never be able to hear. The, the worst thing is, he's got a resource sign outside his house now, <laughs> and, a van, and a van on the side. <laughs> yeah. uh. um, final question for me then. So, um, as a wise old sage in your mid twenties, um, what sort of advice or three golden nuggets would you give to our forty-something apprentice Bob? if you wanted to get into into your industry? What advice? I'd definitely say you've got to be a people person. You've got to understand and, and try and get to, to know people and understand the problems, given the role. Um, you've got to be passionate. I think that that's one thing that's probably seen me well uh, and the one thing I sort of can't hide that, that sort of comes across and probably does now. But when I talk about it, I'm really excited by it. So obviously having a lot of passion for, for whatever you do really helps because it, it helps you keep that drive because you hear of people getting burnout and we all suffer it. We all get to that point in the year where we're like, oh, knackered, need a few weeks off. But being able to come out of the back of that point in the year, Bob gets to like a point in the day. 
<laughs> and, and just being able to get out of that rut and but having a passion for something helps you do that because it's it's very easy to switch it on again because you know exactly what what you want to achieve um oh three now i'm struggling hmm probably given given the, the day and age we're in social media social your linkedin needs to be up to date <laughs> no matter who you are you've got to have a linkedin profile picture at the least at least i know who i'm trying to chat to then <laughs> when, <laughs> when i try and stalk you <laughs> that's what i haven't got yet i'll have to sign up for linkedin my wife, my wife uses it all the time but um yeah I'll start there. I, 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 just adding to that, actually, I think, you know, with the social thing, not just social media, but just social, be social, network where you can, take opportunities where you can, just to chat to people. Because I think yeah. the one thing I thought going into the role was, right, you need to know X, Y, Z when you don't. It's just, you, you do to an extent, <laughs> but more the fact that you've just got to be willing to chat to people and actually understand their problems, what's going on in their world, for you yeah. to be able to come back and actually come up with some ideas and help i suppose it's like you've you mentioned it before everyone's tried to sell something to someone but it's just getting that just getting that edge in or getting that advantage isn't it yeah i think fundamentally as with us all working in organizations we're all salespeople in our own rights we've all got to sell something whether that's internally or externally and we all do it in our own ways and it, it's just about understanding what the value is that you bring and that's the key yeah. to sales. It's understanding the value and what you can offer to someone else and just being able to to offer it, really. That leads me on to a question that I had, really, and, it, and you, you kind of talked about the social media part because I know you're quite active on there, really good on there, um, and seem to seem to get the newest features before everyone else for some reason. I don't know why you do that. Yeah, I, I really don't know why because <laughs> I use it once and then I, I abandon it. <laughs> And there's a good one, isn't there? I think is it LinkedIn where you can record your voice? Uh, sorry, record your name. Yes, yeah, that's that's great. You know the the irony of that. I actually thought about doing it. I don't know if I've actually saved it. I thought about doing it because obviously my surname's not the easiest to to see, say, or you know even spell. And I just thought, you know what? It probably brings more intrigue by not telling people. <laughs> And probably frustrates them more. I, li- I like having the conversation where I get to correct someone. Why? Why do you think I introduced you as Elliot earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what's your favorite marketing tool, and also which tool would you recommend to Rob? Um, I know you've mentioned LinkedIn already, but is there any others? Yeah, I definitely say social. Just given the fact that it, it's it gives you access to everyone. I say everyone, assuming everyone's on social media. But if they're not on social media, they're, they're unlikely. The type, And this goes back to aligning the people that you want to work with and that want to work with you. It's understanding your audience. And they're most likely those people that are on social media. What's really important with that as well, and where it can fall flat is if you don't act yourself. I think the biggest thing about social media is making sure you are you. Because as soon as you come face to face with someone and you put on this persona on social media, for example, and it's happened where you go to a conference and you you think you know someone inside out because you've had so many conversations on social media and you meet them and they don't have anything as per what they were like on social media, it falls flat massively. So you need to make sure that you're your genuine self. So 
appreciate yeah. everything on socials a bit more blown up because of gifs and you know emojis all that sort of stuff you can be exaggerated but don't over exaggerate your personality to the point where you're not you i think one, one thing i said on social media the other day which john you meant in fact it was last night wasn't it um you said it'd be worth mentioning actually i said about building a personal brand because i it just sort of came to me the fact that you know creating a personal brand isn't difficult because all you are doing is being yourself but it should be yourself online whilst if you can create a brand that has a personality now that's impressive because that's something that brands need to start taking on board a bit more because it's very easy to have automated responses to say sorry we're only functioning nine till five please leave us a message and we'll get back to you that's all well and good but in the world we live in now people want answers now people don't live their personal lives outside inside nine till five they live them outside of that so you as an organization or a brand whoever you are need to be accessible and whether that means sort of sacrificing your evenings or whatever or whatever that may be brands need to appreciate that people want them where they want them to be it's not a dictatorship anymore from brands it's also the other way yeah and that takes away from it just being a brand which is your nine to five monday to friday to, to being a living organism almost in that yeah. it is a, that responsive, which, as you say, that's why the successful brands are the ones that are, are personalized, the ones that have got a character, have got identity, um, that are individual because we like to humanize things. So if you can put a human persona on a brand and it fits, it's, it's a winner. It, they say human to human now, don't they? They don't say business to business. Everyone wants human to human interactions. And whether that's whether you're dealing with a business or not, just being able to actually interact with someone. But no, it's funny because people used to sign off from a brand account on social media, for example, with a name, just saying who who responded. But I think it's more impactful now it coming from the brand because brands have started to allow their customer services or whoever's on it in social to take that control as the brand. And it's understanding the tone of voice and how you speak to people. And it just makes such a difference. I've got a good example of that where I um, I was trying to get through to Ikea and I was on hold. And <laughs> ironically, they had ABBA music playing, which is Swedish, obviously like the brand. So I tweeted them and I was like, oh, um, typical, I'm on hold on Ikea, um, ABBA music playing. And then I used an animated GIF of ABBA dancing or singing <laughs> and they replied with a gif of Mr Bean dancing um, <laughs> and just asked it at the same time just asked is there anything we can do for you and it was just really nice because he was like they responded with what I put out there so they did, they could have just said oh please direct message us your information and we can help but I didn't want that I was just saying oh it's typical it's uh, Swedish music you know um, so that was a nice touch I thought it was personal to personal Right, on to the next part of the podcast then, branded or branded. Elliot, over to you to tell us who you've chosen, and Reese then is going to uh, do his best to kill off the brand. Right, so it was a bit of a no-brainer for me as, as number one gym fan over here, um, but it had to be Gymshark, just purely, in fact, multiple reasons. It's not just one alone. So the culture, the brand exposure, the community, the, the brand they've built from, again, reverted back to early conversations that the power of a brand for someone that sells 
fitness clothing resonates with so many people. I, I think they're uh, they're unrivaled at the minute in terms of the growth, the way they're building a community, and what they're doing across all platforms. I've sort of broken this down into three points for you, Rob, because I know you're a simple, simple man. <laughs> so, go on, just to make it easy. Point number one, pants. Yeah? Yeah. When I went on Gymshark's website earlier today. Yeah. I thought I'll buy myself a pair of pants. So while I was there, I thought I'll have a look at the ladies' pants as well. Very <laughs> lovely photographs they've got there, let me tell you. <laughs> so there are 25 pairs of pants you can buy for a lady on the Gymshark website. Okay. Do you know how many you can buy for a man? Three? One pair. Oh. One pair of white I mean, white pants when you're working out anyway. Surely not, boys. (laughs) Doesn't hide many sins, the old white pant. So there's one pair of male pants you can buy. Discriminatory for starters. Second point, it goes to not so much Gymshark, but that whole group of companies that sell gym wear and don't sort of put any tariffs on who can buy them. So you see all of these ladies and gentlemen wandering around the supermarkets in their tight lycra. Again, nothing much to hide there. Yeah. <laughs> You're thinking, you've put that on. The only exercise you've got so far is coming up the Travelator into Morrison's. Yeah, You're breaking a sweat, pushing your trolley around, and you're wearing your gym wear. Suggesting they've just been for a 45-minute high-intensity sweaty workout, and now you're just wandering around the shops in the sweaty clothes that you've just been in, go and have a shower, you dirty minger, get changed, and then do your shopping. And then my third one, my third point, Rob, which concerns me the most, is these brands are becoming more and more, you know, it's it's Instagram, it's posting, it's social media, that you're fit, you're in the gym, you're killing off all the fat people, yeah? <laughs> We're going to end up with a nation full of fit octogenarians, yeah, Look at the pressure on the pension pot when people aren't dying off. Gymshark are going to be responsible for killing off diabetes. It's not right. It's brand dead. <laughs> but before we move to Rob, get his thoughts on uh, on whether it's branded or brand dead. Um, I've had a look into this a little bit as well, and the about their section on their website is some good reading on that, and I can see why Alec have chosen them. Um, with their ethos and everything and, and the story behind it of the teenager Ben Francis in 2012 um, and a group of his friends kind of starting off with, and in the print industry I suppose where they were screen printing in their garage in the first instance um, I really liked that story just around you've got to start somewhere and you always find these stories where they start in the garage and they move on to this now they're multi-million or billion pound companies now because they've just struck a deal for a billion pound haven't they Mm. So I do like that, and their ethos is really good. And although I can see what Bruce is saying, but putting on the pounds over lockdown, and probably with the with the struggler pushing the trolley up the travel area, whatever you want to call it. Was that you in Morrison, John? <laughs> I think it was. And just for the record, from behind, I may look like a large lady, but I'm not. <laughs> um, but it, what they do quite well, I think, on the flip side of that is the models, should we call them, on the on their website. There's all kinds of different sizes and different types of people. 
um, where a lot of these big companies tend to kind of stick to the, the slimmer looking. Um, so their audience, they, they really kind of, it's a, it's a wide audience, excuse the pun. Um, when I was perusing but, the ladies' pants section, John, uh, there was only one size of model. We want Jim Shark or Gin Shark. <laughs> <laughs> ah, right. Um, I can't actually see the, the oh underwear with her. So check if my wife is going. <laughs> no, no, we've got we've got we've got your back, John. We can see if the door cracks open, we'll give you a shout. <laughs> Do you know what? He's got a point here, Rob. I so, studied that page intently. So, so what, what they've done there is they've, they've kept that to slim people, but chubbier people are allowed to have leggings. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think in, a, in a true pant democracy, fat people should have pants. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I suppose, but pulling it back to the brand, not the pants, <laughs> <laughs> um, and why Elliot chose it. The story there, you can't deny it's a fantastic story. Somebody started off printing a couple of T-shirts, wanted to create this this brand, this this gym wear. Um, whatever it is now, kind of maybe doesn't matter so much. But that journey, and and it's only been what nine years, hmm. um, which is a fantastic story. Um, so it is a strong brand. People love it. Is it one of those um, millennial type of brands? It's not. It's not strong enough yet for me. To be a power brand, despite think, the money involved. I think you've got to think about the the development from their marketing perspective. So, just as a bit of insight, as someone that probably bought one of the first T-shirts, the loser I am, when they were small and had no sort of following or anything like that, and um, it was interesting to follow them because what they did really well, which not many people realise, is they began that influencer marketing journey, which not many people or if any had picked up at the time. And what they'd done was they found really niche market of fitness, lifestyle, clothing, brand, which is now very common, which may seem very common and easy for people to pick up. But what they did was they found a community of YouTubers who were fitness influencers to a certain extent, and they built a community around that. So they were actually pre marketing influencers on Instagram and they built that community from the ground up which allowed them to grow bigger than many other organizations have now that represent sort of gym that I think the problem now is you've got a lot of people trying to replicate that because again they've got that they've got such a great story behind the fact that it was one one lad in his in his garage screen printing t-shirts and it, it sort of sells you in a little bit. You you buy into it in the fact that oh maybe maybe if I bought some t shirts and started printing on them, I could uh, I could make a fortune. But it, there's a lot behind what went into that, and obviously building that community of influencers, which was so uncommon then. He tapped into something that no one else had. It wasn't just a case of putting t shirts on a website. It was actually bringing people into a community and getting the buy-in from a, an audience. I, w- I would probably counter that slightly because I've seen Mike Ashley win a Newcastle top at a Newcastle game. <laughs> Sports Direct, <laughs> just saying. So, Rob, I suppose it's over to you to decide. Like Jim Shark, the new Donny, or the new Nike? 
I, I fear for me and the fat people here. Are <laughs> well, talking about me again? <laughs> I, I am talking about you again, John. I've, I've looked on their websites, and different sizes are available. So it's not just for, for the slim people. Um, but I think... Did, like, you look, did you look at the pants section? I did, yes. That's the first place you went. Yeah. <laughs> It just popped up. Did you yeah. look at the man's single pant that's available? One pant? Yes. I did. But did you order some? <laughs> There's not much option there, but for, for T-shirts and shorts and running tops, it's, uh, there's lots on there. Um, I'm thinking about the theme of the podcast again, then, <laughs> being about brand and branding. What's your thoughts on Gymshark, Rob? <sighs> I, I I liked them. Um, I actually own two liked. pairs of shorts. Yeah. He said liked. I, I, this is this is good. He liked them. Well, he's, he's, he already owns some of their stuff. Yeah, I own two pairs of shorts by Jim Sharp. Um, Did he only attend you them before the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it is good stuff. Um, but like you say, it's, it is a, a new company. Um, they haven't been running up for, for too long. Um but every time I go on Twitter or Instagram, you always see the adverts pop up. Um, so you're, what you're saying there, Bob, is you're sick of it. It's just too intrusive you know, into your social media. It's not every five minutes, but it, it does get your attention. So they're, I think, they're picking on you because you're fat, Bob. You're fat and old. They're picking on you. I, blame, I just blame lockdown for that. Um, but I think I think they're here to stay. I like the logo as well. It's a really good logo. It stands out. Every time I'm behind a VW or a modern VW, they've got them little tail lights, and they actually look like the Gymshark brand. And I always think about it every time. So when I see a Volkswagen, there's a partnership there, if I'm honest. I see, I see something oh, coming quick that. Get on that. Yeah. <laughs> You're the first on this podcast. <laughs> the VW Shark. Got a ring to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All royalties to the branded podcast. What's your outcome, Rob? I think Gymshark are branded. Okay, guys, right on to uh, the next part of the podcast, which is Reese's Pieces. This is where Rob and myself take on Elliot. Um, over to Reese. Yeah, so. This is the serious part of the quiz where the questions are quite hard. Um, you know, I'm expecting a lot of you to, from, as contestants. So we've got Team Branded with a combined years of 70 plus versus Elliot in his mid-20s. I was tempted to say late Elliot, but we'll go for mid. No, thanks. Good on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I've got 10 questions and they are all brand related and they're to do with celebrities uh, and branding. Um, so the first question, and I will ask you both. Um, I'll ask you first, Elliot, for your answer, mm. and then on the first question, and then we'll flip it around. John and Rob, you can confer. So the first question is: the X Factor runners-up and British boy band sensation JLS released what product in two thousand and ten that featured their faces on the packet? So, Elliot, we'll throw to you first. I don't know why, but I'm going to say condoms. <laughs> okay, interesting choice. <laughs> I think that says more about you than it says uh, about X Factor. <laughs> Run up sensation. 
uh, Rob <laughs> and John. Tom Dobbs, do you, do you know what? I think he might be right there. <laughs> I remember seeing I feel the like I'm being stitched up. <laughs> yeah, so Rob, the, the, what I was thinking initially was um, a hair product, like a, a wax or a gel. Yeah, but be that. I think yeah, Elliot might have this. Um, but should we go for hair products? Yeah, go for that. Is that enough Reese hair product? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because it's condoms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, See, I've got, I've got one here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really hoping you were going to pull a member of JLS up then. <laughs> um, he was it in was uh, Mad Singer, wasn't he, one of them? I don't know why yes. I said that, but I just felt like that was the right answer. I don't know whether I was... Um... Yeah, I hope that was a, an educated guess and not a guess, to be honest. Yeah, that, well, that's that's why they call him Johnny Longsocks. He's the JLS. Pack of three, you, there was uh, four boxes, that, one face on each box, so you could choose with the, with the strap line, just love safe. Hey, oh, JLS, like just, love like just love safe. Have, someone got paid a huge amount for that. Okay, <laughs> question two. And Rob and uh, uh, Bob, you can get this one first. Not Rob and Bob, uh, John and Bob. <laughs> English footballer and famous metrosexual David Beckham once fronted a brand of... It's a food stuff. Oh, it's a food stuff. I was going to say Carlin Kleins, but it's food. That was my um, first thought. Um, I don't remember him doing any food. No, no idea. Just pluck something out of the air, Rob. Go on. Let's go for crisps. Which ones, though? Real McCoys? I, I, I will take crisps as an answer. Okay, crisps, yeah. Sure, I feel like you've done me there. Elliot? So I'm just going to go along with theme and go edible Calvin Kleins because I feel like you've got this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was fish fingers. Oh, oh okay. It was Omega 3 fish fingers, and you have to Google the image of David Beckham at the launch with a platter of about 70, 85 fish fingers on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about branding, but that doesn't seem to align for me. In terms of uh, when I think of David Beckham, oh wow, yeah, I'd love got to the know what, I'd love to know what the spend for him to advertise fish fingers was and what the return was. <laughs> and you and know that actually... man's never eaten a fish finger in his life. <laughs> he's holding them like a plateful, and they all stacked up like a pyramid. And from a distance, they look like cheesy puffs. Yeah. But if you look at the photo as well, the good thing about the photo is to say there must be 70, 100 fish fingers there and they've got one lemon as a garnish. <laughs> What's more outrageous, the one lemon or the 70 fish fingers in one course? <laughs> yeah, you've got some sort of balance. So no points, I'm afraid, gentlemen. So uh, question three. Uh, Elliot, you can answer first on this one. Uh, Sex Pistol. I hope you know who the Sex Pistols are. I know yeah. you're young, but I've, I've heard of them. Stuff. So again, you can get from Anne Summers. Sex Pistol anti-establishment figure John Lydon was selling out when he began to promote what? And again, this will be another Google moment when we're going to the answer. Uh, 
Hmm. Was selling out once until he begun to promote something. Yeah, so he was always the anti-establishment figure, you know, rock and roll. And then he popped up on our televisions about 10 years ago in an advert. I can see his face in the adverts. I just can't remember what it was. <laughs> what? It's got to be something random, the way Reese has pitched this. I'm going to say... I'll help you both, both teams out. It's, it's another food stuff. All oh, right, okay. I'd like to say that's helped, but probably just confused me slightly more. Um, steak. Steak is an answer. What are, you, what are you thinking of? Hot noodle? Or crisps again? <laughs> Possibly crisps again. Um Oh, I remember the advert. I just can't think what it was because he had like a sort of a, a country jacket on. Um, what should we go with? Come on. I don't know. Have a guess. Pot noodle. Pot noodle. Pot noodle. Oh, Rob. Rob, if you'd have followed your thought train. Is it KFC or something? <laughs> He's got a country jacket on. He's in the yeah. country. So what would it be? Is it country white? Butter. It's country life butter. Oh, that's it. Now I remember. <laughs> I I, I, I blame John for boxing you in and not letting you feel confident. <laughs> Again, it's worth another Google just to see him in his country in his country jacket. John, like, oh wow, yes, I remember that. Okay, two questions to go, and the score at the moment still still uh, 1-0 to Elliot. So, question four. Um, so, back in the 60s, Winston Cigarettes, which are a big American cigarette brand, landed a sponsorship of several ep- episodes of which cartoon? In which, and you can, again, if you can find this, in which many of the um, episodes, the characters were seen smoking, and extolling the many benefits of the project of the product. <laughs> benefits of smoking in the sixties, so you said. So it's a sixties cartoon. Uh, Rob, this is slightly rigged. That was the seventies child, so it's, it's before my time. My initial thought was Tom and Jerry. Big shell, but I don't know. If, I don't it. know if it's too too late for that. Yeah, can you imagine any? Not me find my salmon or anything like that. It's later. <laughs> A big American tobacco. <laughs> American sorry, sorry. Fireman, Sam. fireman Sam. No, <laughs> don't know. Tom and Jerry. Is Tom and Jerry. Both we'll go for that. Right. So I think, Elliot, from your point of view, just pick an old cartoon, mate. <laughs> I, think, I, Simpsons I, I, was thinking, old. I was thinking Roadrunner. Ooh, good shout. Both good shouts. It was actually <clears throat> the Flintstones. Oh, I was going to say that about them now. And again, if you Google Flintstones and um, Winston cigarettes, you'll get a cracking image of Barney and Fred. 
Next time, one up. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, I, really <laughs> oh, I love the one where he's watching TV and they've superimposed <laughs> shot, whatever, a packet of them cigarettes on it. <laughs> yeah, on the TV, TV screen. <laughs> oh wow! Brilliant. Okay, boys, from the branded team, this is the last question, so you can only draw level at this point. Otherwise, our, our guest walks away with a victory, and we have to hang our heads in shame. So, it's February 2012. Excellent. Yeah. Nike have just suspended Oscar Pretorius's contract after, obviously, he was charged with murdering his girlfriend, uh, Reva Steenkamp. What was the strap line that they were currently using as the advertising campaign that starred Oscar Pistorius? Elliot, you're up first, mate. It's I'll give if it's close, I'll give it to you. This was Nike, wasn't it? This was Nike. I'm pretty sure I've seen this and I'm racking my brains right now. What are you thinking, Rob? No idea. I'm just going to go very plain and say just do it. Would it, be, would it be around the Olympics time in 2012? Yeah, it was. Yeah. 2012 was the Olympics. London Olympics, wasn't it? It's going to be something controversial, yeah. like shoot for the top or something Shoot like for that, the stars, or... something like that. Or, yeah. Um, should we go shoot for the stars? Yeah. Go for that one. One of these. Neither of you have got it exactly right. But I'm just trying to think. If you can Google Oscar Pistorius Nike and then image search, hopefully your image search should be the first one. We were close. I um the bullet in the chamber. Is that? Wow, jeez. Yeah, absolutely. You can imagine whoever came up with that when they came up with it, they were probably high-fiving around the office. And then for that to happen... I'm not going to give you a point for that, boys. Okay. But you got to get all serious for this, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but it should, to end it. <laughs> and how quickly it can go bad. What, so advertising cigarettes on children's television, that's fun. That's fine and dandy. <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, that that is very interesting in terms of timing and, and how badly things can go wrong without realising. Yeah, so if we can wrap up my fun bit there. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, lads... Elliot's walked off with a victory. He's stolen it, guys. He's taken it away with him. Yes. You can keep that, Elliot. That can always be in your heart. 
<laughs> Thanks for coming on, though, Elliot. Um, it's been uh, it's been really good chatting with you, finding out about the sector and um, and your job in particular. Uh, well done on winning the two um, two features, the only two features we've got on the podcast, and you've taken them both away. Thanks. <laughs> there is one final question I need to ask before you go. Um, we've spent a, a nice bit of time now with uh, Rob. Very keen mm. to get in your industry. So, Elliot, would you give Rob a job? No. On to the final part then, guys. Rob's ramblings. So, so Rob, you've met Elliot. Um, you listen, listen to uh, what you have to say about actually quite a very fascinating career there. Um, what are your thoughts on print media it's um it sounds interesting um i like when when Elliot mentioned about the the graduate scheme um and going around all the the different departments of the the company that sounds good so you, you mentioned the graduate scheme there rob um and we also had one last week ellen said a similar thing going through as an apprentice or a graduate or something like that. yeah um without sounding ageist um, and we mentioned it last week. You're not getting any younger. Um, might be a big career change to to start as an apprentice. Um, do you have any fear of that? Um, no, no. I think I'd, I'd look forward to it. Um, obviously, with with everything going on, I'd have to do some sort of um, online course to start with. Um, whether or not you can get degrees online, I don't know. Do you? Um... I can look into it. Do you think you'd fit in in class with the kids? You know, um, they'd all turn up with their their cool trainers and all, that, and you'd just be <laughs> there, probably with some sort of nineteen eighties head rucksack. Probably not. No, no. I could. I'd start wearing my Gymshark stuff. That might might help. They they they'll all have uh, Doctor Beats on, and uh, you'll have a urinate in. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. They'll have their doctor beats on. They'll be telling them how to plant beets. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no concerns be... that you'd get mistaken because you'd probably be older than the lecturer. Probably not. No, no, it'd be a definitely be a culture shock. But uh, yeah, I think I'd be okay with it. If I just kept so, myself to myself. It'd be all right. You land the job, Rob. It's yeah. day one. They're yeah. so impressed by your interview. They say, Do "You know what, Bob? You can run any campaign you want to." Which company are you going to pick? I don't know. I'd have to have a think. You've put me right on the spot here now. I'd have to, I'd have to would have it be food-related? Would it be local? It probably would be, would be food related. global yeah. business. Food-related, I think. Fish fingers. Um, fish fingers, yeah. Frey no. Bentos. I'm just chucking them out here. Those weird steak and kidney puddings that come in a tin. I used to like them. Yeah, it doesn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, my mum always used to get them. It used to be a Friday night treat, that was. I can see you doing some sort of campaign for the Rustler Burger and targeting the truckers who pull up at the the, the, the petrol stations in the nights. You were standing there holding your Rustler Burger, giving them out as freebies. Yeah. Rob's Rustlers. They do, um, they do hot dogs as well and chicken burgers. I'm sorry, but how lazy do you have to be to microwave for that? <laughs> it's, it's literally put a dog in a pan and warm it up. It's the same thing, like you said yesterday, about picking on me for having pancake mix. Yeah, so Bob, 
I'm sure there's nothing wrong with Betty Crocker's pancake mix. There's nothing wrong with it. It was really nice, fair play. But I, there's more effort in that than actually putting some flour, eggs, and milk in a bowl. Pinch of salt as well. It's, it's use, measuring use the it, real, though, isn't it? Use the real questions. I'm going to yeah. probably go from one level to another. Would you buy instant mash, where you just add the water or the warm milk or whatever it is? Um. Probably not. No. Would you buy a ready-made mash where it's already in the bowl, made, and you just warm it up? Yes, I've done that before. And last one, would you buy a full-cooked breakfast in a tin? No, but I've always, I've always fancied it. I've seen it on adverts. If it's, that's it your big ambition. To try. Go for it. What, what What's holding you back? That's your dream. Your dream is to have a full I wouldn't say a dream. English it breakfast be... in a tin. It's not a dream, but it's on my list of things to try. I've had it before when I was younger. <clears throat> it's not the same. that You've got to, you know, pretend sausages and all that. How do they put bacon in there? It's An just egg. streaks. That's what I was it's just like streaks. It's, yeah. like, it's like, it's like fry, um, egg fried is rice all, pieces. Is it you know, all fried eggs, or is it... Pieces like that. Yeah. No, it's just... It's like, imagine having cooked breakfast, but then in a bowl full of beans. It's like that. Would you <laughs> that have, sounds would, awful. That does sound tempting. Would you have chicken in a tin? No way, you get them ones that are full chicken. No, and they just I've, I've been to the States a few times and I've, I've looked. Um, I couldn't find them anywhere, but I've I seen them online. As a kid, not much money having ham in a tin. Mm. Spam, not no, no, not spam. No, just real, yeah, proper ham. I've seen that as well. Yeah. And you don't question it as a kid, but you think meat that can mm. just sit on a shelf. You question that now as you get older. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't, I haven't had meat for a year actually. No. Yeah, and since Christmas... I didn't know times were that hard, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send you some bacon through the post. Yeah. Since Christmas, I've. Um... Uh, try to be vegan as much as I can. Um, is still it working? Do you not, miss well, it? it depends on how we look at it. It's working. I don't miss it. Um, but I'm piling on the weight, which is surprising because I was eating loads of cheese when I gave up the meat. But now I'm I'm going for vegan cheese and things like that. So, Rob, if you can think back over everything that Elliot talked about and discussed, yeah. about the modern ways of branding... How are you going to sell meat back to John? What campaign would you employ? Would you post sausages through his letterbox? I, th- I think that that's the start of it, I think, is slowly just introducing myself to John um, by posting things through his letterbox. If your um, sausage comes through my letterbox, then I will set <laughs> my cats on it. No, no, let him, no, let him go. He started this. So you're going to slowly introduce meat through his letterbox. That's yep. part one. Do okay, that. excellent. Um, then get a Domino's delivered, a meat feast, pizza. Yeah. They do vegan. If you could give him a scratch and sniff card, what five meats would he sniff? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Um, and he can't sniff your sausage again. <laughs> no more sausage. Cooked bacon, i got to be honest. Definitely there. bacon. Yeah. Bacon. Fresh chicken, oh, fresh chicken, yeah. Got, got um, something off the barbecue, like burgers. 
I don't have a job for you. you you're giving him all the answers here. <laughs> Um, so there's two. There's two spaces left. He's, John's right. filled up three. Two meat. <laughs> he's done it Come himself. On. Yeah. Um, it's because he's very. He's a very hungry man at the moment. That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he's thinking about it too much. Um, barbecue pulled pork. Mmm. And then Delicious. the last one. What would the last one be? Probably gammon. Grilled gammon with grilled, yeah, or boiled, yeah, grilled, no, grilled. Um, and then you have a, a choice of pineapple or egg on top. You're starting <laughs> to sound like uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got that would be amazing. Imagine the wallpaper, scratch and sniff wallpaper. Yeah, but how are you going to scratch and sniff an egg on his gammon? Or does he get two extra boxes that you can sniff with it? One box is pineapple, one box is egg. <laughs> yeah, there'll be two on the side. You have two choices on the side. And like in most pubs, if he pays a quid, he can have both. Yes. I like his style. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that through the door. You do often get the new magazines, them like little um, testers for like links or some sort of aftershave or something, and you can appeal it off. Moisturizer, stuff like that, yeah. Moisturizer? Yeah. Wouldn't that soak the magazine? No, because it's in the little file packs. Oh, you it? mean a pouch? Ah, right. Yeah. I meant where you just kind yeah. of peel back like a, a bit of paper oh. and smell it. Not, not literal kind of. I have, yeah, I haven't seen them for ages. But they used to do it in um, magazines. You used to have aftershave, didn't you, on the little, the little foil strip? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm just thinking of a pouch full of bacon. Bacon. Oh, what, it, in a magazine? Be, yeah, because it would be file sealed, so right. it wouldn't go off. And are, you not, are you not going down that, down the route of beef jerky now, though, or like pig jerky, um, if such a thing exists? Have you ever jerky to well. pig? No. <laughs> no. No, I think it's a simple process. Though. It's a bit chewy. It is like eating a bit of a boot, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Very tough on your teeth. So, what lessons have you taken away from Elliot then? How how are you going to um, channel yourself towards the world of media, print media? Something, I think something the I found interesting. Sorry, because you just talked about posting your meat through my letterbox. <laughs> but from what? No, Elliot, no, John, John. It was only a sausage. A sausage. Sorry. Um, from what Elliot was saying there around the whole COVID situation. We were all stuck in the house. We were all in the bubble. You know, you couldn't leave the house, etc. But there was a way in for print. And it was through the letterbox. So you, regardless of, you know, technologies, everything else and whatever, they could still deliver and do something. And something they did throughout the year, which I've seen on social media, was deliver these little um, boxes with, with goodies inside. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting in, in terms of you can still kind of use print for useful things because they could just do that on social media and say thanks to our customers or thanks to whoever but it's well, here's it a picture land. of some goodies <laughs> yeah, yeah but but you can do that so back to rob posting a sausage from a letter yeah so i'm not sure so so you started that saying i'm sat at home i'm with the wife and with the kids we're in our little bubble and uh, it can still come through a letterbox so are you asking rob that it's you telling him it's okay that you can Pop a couple of sausages through. <laughs> if they're vegan sausages. Um, Are they, Rob? 
I mean, you probably start with vegan sausages just to introduce yourself. Oh, and then swap them over when and then swap them it. over with without the packaging, so we wouldn't notice. And next, and then you know, see if he, he if he could tell the difference between real meat. Yes. Yeah. So it becomes a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I might do that the weekend because I know where you live, John. Well, that's a threat if ever I <laughs> You've got that recorded for. <laughs> and especially when I edit it, I use say, I know where you live. I'm posting my sausage real letterbox. That's gonna... I, I know Elliot was talking <laughs> about the fact that he likes to look up his clients and get to know them and understand them. It's, it's research uh, first, isn't it? No, I think you've gone full on, mate, the other way. No wonder the guy turned down. <laughs> he could see you were a wrong one. So that, that's a good point. So what's your thoughts on a few of them things that Elliot said there? As a, as a marketeer, a sales, sales guy, um, you want to build them connections. Would you go as far as that as personalizing something for somebody because you've seen it on social media? Do you find that too far? Is it something that you'd be comfortable with doing? Um, no, I think it's, it's a nice personal touch. Um, I mean, if, if you had time to do it for every every client that you had or every customer, um, yeah, I don't see why not. It would be good. It's it's a fine line, though, isn't it? If yeah. he did that yeah. um, and sent the woman a bunch of flowers because she said she liked roses, how would that look? Yeah, probably a box of chocolates would be better rather than... Would that be okay? Yeah. I think it's going to be so personal, like what he said, that this person said about marmalade. Um, so it was it was a bit of a joke as well, of like, oh, you mentioned you like that. Whereas if somebody, you know, said they, you know, like frilly underwear, and you sent them some frilly underwear, you'd be in big trouble, Rob. So don't do it. Oh, yeah, that would be going too Again. far, I think. Yes. So, Rob, let's get this out there. So- yeah. By now, episode two, you're trending on Twitter. Hashtag get Rob a job. Yeah, you're probably being yeah. get Bob a job. You're probably being courted, I would imagine, uh, behind our backs by organizations far and wide. <laughs> you are going to be the next influencer. So what's Elliot going to need to pop in an envelope to tempt you to go work with him? Um, definitely food-based. Or would you like three envelopes turning up? Three course um, meal? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, just something that would fit through the through the letterbox and then a box left on the doorstep. That would be okay. Okay, right. So what's coming through the letterbox and what's in the box on the doorstep? Um, so the letterbox would have to be thin stuff, like bacon. Um, <laughs> those mini sausages. <laughs> the mini sausages you can get. Um, let's okay. Let's get away from the breakfast <laughs> item. No, you've you've got me thinking about breakfast now. <laughs> okay, so okay, so you got sausage and you have got bacon. Yeah, coming through your letterbox. What's in yep. the box on the doorstep? I'm thinking those those breakfasts in a in a jar. A case of a case of them. That would be perfect. Hash, hash browns. <laughs> yeah. But surely that would offend you, because all he thinks of you is this man just eats breakfast. That's all he does all his life. 
That's well, not trying to woo you. That's trying to fatten you like a goose. <laughs> Depends how much it was. But uh, yeah, I think that would go. That's a nice personal touch, and that would go a long way. So, as this episode was a lot about print or the print industry, um, obviously Elliot only touched on a small part of that, which was the sales, the marketing, the the initial kind of speaking to people and getting them on board. There's yeah a whole sector of of print and all different people, what they do, they work in the factories. And he touched on a good point. The first three months he went around to see what everybody did, each part, each cog of the wheel and all that kind of stuff. Um, from, we asked this last week, I think, Rob, where would you kind of like to start in that industry without us knowing too much about it? Um, but would you, I don't know, are you teased by the marketing part that Elliot talked about or would you like to be more in on the machinery, all that kind of stuff, because that's important as well. Or would um, you like to have your hands on the button of the social media account tweeting out? Social media would be good. Do you think you're trusted? I, th- I think so, yeah. Yeah, I could do what, that. Uh, what, um, what do you think is your greatest tweet that you've ever sent? Oh, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't sent many. So well, there's not to many to choose from then. So well, exactly. Surely. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd one must spring my, to mind. I check my history. I haven't used it for a while. We'll let the listeners check your history. It's fine. <laughs> I, I like I like that touch from Elliot earlier, where he clearly looked at your social media accounts. Yeah, I know that. That's a bit scary. That is. It's a bit scary, but also that's, 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 that's his job, isn't it? That's, that's done his research. Yeah. yeah, that's evidenced straight away of what he's about, and he likes to yeah. find out about people. Um, to see what makes them tick, so you can yeah. have a chat with them. And I think that says the difference between maybe Rob and myself. So from uh, your social media account, Rob, he could identify you're a runner because that's all you bang on about. And for me, I was trying to campaign to find the world's largest chip. <laughs> I think that says it all, doesn't it? I, it, it was a it fully does. thought out campaign, but McCain <laughs> never took me up on it. Yeah, and, I, and I, that, was, that was quite interesting, actually, because, yeah, Reese is trying to do his campaigning already, um, and I think Rob is taking his bit of time to think about what he wants to do before he starts, starts running with any campaigns. Definitely. So one or two things, then, that sum up whether or not you want to work in the printing industry, and in particular in the marketing sales department. Yeah. What would they be? Um, I think based based on the company, it would have to be probably the advertising or the the design side of it rather than sales to start with. So you think going in sales wise would be hard work? Is that why you're kind of avoiding it? It would be, yeah, yeah. It'd be a lot of um, sort of um, accountability. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, I suppose it'd be it'd be a, a difficult job as well, sort of um, getting to targets all the time. Whereas advertising, you can just pop out adverts, you know. So we always ask you this question, Rob: What's the lowest you would go to get to work in this industry? What are the options? So, Reese, you can come up with an option. I'll come up with an option. 
So, are we you talking have an... sandwich boards again? Or... <clears throat> yes, we are. Mine is okay. sandwich board based. So, yep. you've run a massive multimedia campaign for Smarties. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's culminated in you sponsoring the latest Floyd Mayweather fight. Smarties of bringing together. They're probably. Who's he going to fight? Let's have a look. He's fighting Tyson. Tyson's come back. It's a one off exhibition match. Okay. You've put it all together. Yeah. Yeah. It's all going well. It's the night of the fight. One of your ring girls has pulled out. You've got no one to cover round three and walk around in the Smarty sandwich board in their bikini. I do that. I didn't even ask, Rob. <laughs> How low would you go? Would you do that? I would, yeah, I do that. Get myself on TV as well. It's would all about to... the TV. I know. Would, would it's you all about wear, the fame. Would you have to wear a bikini or would you have some sort of gym shirt? No, you'd, you'd be underneath the sandwich board so no one would see. I, I would like him to wear the bikini. Not from a personal point of view, just show the commitment. <laughs> but you couldn't put that upon an audience. It, it would be like um, people of our age remember the, the Princess Leia scene with Jabba the Hutt. It would have been like Jabba the Hutt wearing Princess Leia's golden costume. <laughs> so you're prepared to put up with the embarrassment for the fame. I think that's quite clear that you've alluded to that on this episode and the last couple of episodes. Yeah, the so you're all about the fame. Once you get that, that, that shot on TV, then you're, you'll be happy. Yeah. So my scenario is a little bit different. Um, it might be just as embarrassing or less embarrassing. But let's see. So you're working for Greg's. They're struggling. Okay. Because after COVID, nobody wants to go in the shop anymore. When you go into a Greg's, you get to smell all the, the pastries and the and the nice oh. sausage rolls cooking. That you can yeah. smell that, Rob. Smell that. When smell. you're in the shop, you can smell it. And then all of a sudden, you buy a couple of pasties instead of one because it's such a nice smell. Now, the problem they got is getting people in the shop. So you're not going to have a sandwich board outside. What you, what Greg's have done, they've employed Elliot at Resource. They've come up with a printable ink that smells of pasties and sausage rolls cooking. Okay. Okay. And this printable ink can be tattooed onto people's <laughs> bodies. So what they get okay. you to do on the palm of your hands is on one hand, you've got a, a steak bake printed and on the other palm, you've got a sausage roll. Okay. So you've got to walk around outside like the club reps to try and entice people into Greg's, but you ask them to scratch and sniff your palm of your hands to get that off. <laughs> Before you answer, Rob, I, I think this is really, really unrealistic, uh, John, because if his hands are out in the air, the smell's going to dissipate. Surely, off, it? surely you'd have a smell under each armpit, and then he can close the armpit after someone sniffed. <laughs> it's the printing element under there is difficult, but it is because it's a, a scratch. It's got to scratch it first. Obviously, after over a couple of scratches, maybe throughout the day, ten scratches, and then it'll be gone. He'll have to have it printed again. But you know, you've got home printers these days. They'll do the job. So True. it might be a little bit embarrassing walking yeah. up to people and asking them to scratch and sniff the palm of your hand to get a bit of sausage roll smell. <laughs> but could you be? Would you do that? And would the temptation of scratching and sniffing at yourself be too much? 
I think I'd just be smelling myself. <laughs> so by yeah, I could I could ask a few people, but then the temptation would be there. I'd be scratching myself and sniffing myself, and the scent would have gone by then. So I'd be back in the house every ten minutes, <laughs> just to top up. So yeah, it's a bit too far. So which which out of the two would you um would you stoop the lowest for to get into the print and branding um, world? I think the boxing ring. Yeah. He just yeah. loves the fame, do doesn't he? Loves he just loves the fame. Yeah. If I put ITV cameras outside Greg's when he was doing that, he would have done it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you'd have said he's going to be on uh, Wales Today doing it. Yeah, absolutely. On a scratch and sniff special. <laughs> <laughs> Although that has just highlighted to me, uh, Rob, another product that will go through uh, their box. Sausage roll. Yes. Well, and, and a steak he, bake. And a steak bake as well. Maybe he meant your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Put your hand, your hand through. Put your hands you through and get people to sniff your hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, another episode, John, where it looks like we failed to secure Rob a job. Um, I guess we're going to have to keep trying. Yeah, disappointed they uh, didn't want to take Rob on. I, I do feel, Rob, that you're not that enthusiastic about some of these these sectors, maybe well, we just need to find the right one for you, or you're just trying to get it. enthusiastic. Um, maybe it's just uh, the guest not selling it enough, but we'll we'll see. We'll we'll keep <laughs> keep optimistic for next week. Um, uh, we'll I'm not what, sure what, what they can do more, to be honest with you, unless, as aforementioned, they turn up and shove meat through your letterbox. <laughs> I, I think they're giving a really good account of their <laughs> industries. And I think you initially you love the idea, and then you understand there's a bit of hard work involved, and no television camera, and you're turned off. <laughs> I think maybe if we can get a a talent agency on as a guest, then I think we might see the best of Rob that he'd perk up because there's an opportunity that That's he can get idea. spotted. Yeah. Well, if not a talent agency, perhaps a look lookalikey agency um, with his old Rasputin look going on there. <laughs> I was thinking more of um, Dumbledore. Zizi Top, perhaps, or the um, the gnome of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, I'm a forty year old man with no kids. I've not seen that, John. I've seen that. <laughs> He's based his luck on it. <laughs> Rob, you've mm. got no kids either. There was nothing else to watch. <laughs> I've, I've finished Netflix now. We've established before the Ross. Uh, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> How strong is that wine? Yeah, do you want to have another run at that one, John? <laughs> that stays at the podcast, please. Meow. Hi, cat. Don't like you. <laughs> okay, put it down. Wow. I can't believe you scared my cat from a distance <laughs> of 35 miles. Martha, not friendly at all. I think it was the beard. Uncle Rob will shave it off when the pandemic's <laughs> over. <laughs> so, Rob, we were lucky enough to have Elliot on earlier, uh, business development manager, uh, print and marketing. So, do you think that's a job for you, mate? It did sound interesting, um, but it would be a, a lot of hard work. So, I think I'll, I'll hold out and see what next week brings. If you want to get in touch or slide into our DMs, what does that mean? Follow us on Twitter at The Branded Pod. 
Um, Rob, hashtag get Bob a job. If you want to get in touch or slide into our D- DMs, what does that mean? Follow us on Twitter at The Branded Pod. Um, Rob, hashtag get Bob a job. <laughs>